Lions fans. It's time for the podcast you've been waiting for. The show where Kool-Aid runs blue, faces turn red, and rose-colored glasses never go out of style. This is the Detroit Lions Podcast. Welcome to the Daily DLP. I'm your host, Ash Thompson, and today I'm taking you on a trip around the division. I'll start with the Packers, and I've talked about this game twice already, but only from one perspective, the Lions' perspective. From the Packers' side, they appear to have righted some wrongs. Christian Watson is coming on and regaining form after starting the year with an injured hamstring, and he never really looked quite right until very recently. Good Jordan Love showed up, evaded pressure when it existed, and he delivered balls to the target. The Packers' offensive line had their best game of the year in pass protection. On the defensive side of the ball, the Packers' pass rush was furious, and it's easy to look at Rashawn Gary's three sacks and say that he was it, but Preston Smith had a good day as well. In fact, pretty much everyone across their entire defensive line did. The Lions were playing a subpar left guard, he got destroyed, and the Packers made their opponent pay for that deficiency basically all day, no matter how many times the Lions switched out which not particularly great guard they were playing. But the only reason the Packers won this game was three recovered fumbles. Good on them for forcing them, but having all three go their way once they hit the ground, getting up big early, and then killing the clock is how the Packers won this game. Sadly for Lions fans, we got the good Packers on Thanksgiving. It's not the position of the moon, like I keep seeing on Twitter, or the national TV spotlight. It's the fact that it's really hard to beat a halfway decent team twice in an NFL season. And the Packers are 5-6 and six after 11 weeks. How about those Bears? Are we still laughing at the acquisition of Montez Sweat? I said at the time it may be the move that keeps Matt Eberflus employed for another year, and I'm standing by that. The uh, presence of one very good player on the edge of that D-line has been transformative for that entire defense. Adding to the fact that Everflus has undertaken a serious self-scout since taking over the defense full-time when his defensive coordinator quit earlier in the year. Like, they've basically inverted their tendencies and given players an opportunity to do what they do well, which is the opposite of what they have done for the last year. Rather than being a line-up-and-beat-your-man front, they're running all kinds of stunts. They're doing weird blitzes that they're just not showing pre-snap. Rather than sitting in their base zone coverage scheme, they've started mixing in a lot more blitzing and a lot more man coverage looks. Like, this team looks like they might be an offensive away from being a decent team. But let's look at that offense. I don't quote Joe Buck very often, not a huge fan. But there's a telling quote from him during Monday Night Football, basically field goal and turnover fest, that we were all forced to sit through. Uh... Justin Fields has looked good hitting these short passes to receivers in stride. That is the description of the Chicago Bears offense right now. That's their whole world. That is all they do, except for the occasional Herculean effort by DJ Moore. And the problem is that oftentimes it looks like players don't really understand the play that's been called or their role within it. Uh, A first quarter screen pass to Cole Komet is one you could go back and look at if you wanted an example. He stepped back, he took the pass, he waited for his blocker to get into position, and then he ran away from that blocker directly into the defenders that were chasing him from the inside. 
rather than following the blocker for a huge gain down the sideline, which is what he should have done. Someone doesn't understand that play. And that would be understandable if this was a high school game, but these are professionals and they don't understand how their own simple plays like bubble screens are supposed to work. It's just one example of a dozen I saw in the game where one guy just doesn't understand their blitz pickup responsibilities or the depth their pattern needs to go to to move the chains or who is going to come open when at what time because Justin Fields also is a limiting factor on this offense. If you need 20 carries or 30 passes under 10 yards, Fields is that guy right now. That is what he can give you. And it's pretty much impossible for an offense to live that way in the NFL. Like your whole thing can't happen within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Like we say, like we all said that about Matthew Stafford in the Caldwell era, when that was their offense was 90 bubble screens a year to Golden Tate and then throw one deep to Calvin Johnson or Marvin Harrison every once in a while. The execution when you're running that kind of offense has to be perfect. And this Bears defense is Bears offense, sorry, is so far from that. It's difficult to believe the Bears actually won this game. Like, their offense was just so bad. On their second last drive, a rookie Vikings corner stepped around hit the receiver that was supposed to be blocking him completely untouched to destroy a bubble screen because that receiver expected him to have to go through him when very clearly he would not. The defensive back knew the play better than the receiver did. He'd seen it 10 times in that game. They got flagged for an ineligible man downfield, which is always one player not understanding the flow of the play. They got called for 12 players in the offensive huddle. Like that alone should get an offensive coaching staff basically fired. It doesn't make any sense. One encouraging sign for Bears fans was Fields on their final drive. Like previous drive, he fumbled. Lost them the ball. Uh, so take this with a little bit of a grain of salt. But their, their final drive consisted of a quarterback run where he held the ball in both hands to avoid fumbling again. So learning from his mistake. And then two throwaways out of bounds before he finally completed one to DJ Moore. That's four good plays from Fields to close out a game. So unlike so many other games this year where the Bears have taken the ball out of Fields' hands after he made a mistake in the fourth quarter and lost because they did that, Matt Eberflus trusted his guy and they won the game. That's growth as a head coach that, as a Lions fan, you really don't like to see. Which brings us to the Vikings, the other half of that game. Can all this talk that the Vikings have solved their quarterback issue going forward with a trade at the deadline for Josh Dobbs, can all that just go away forever? Dobbs got his first opportunity to really open up the playbook this week, and it looked like he really didn't enjoy what was written there. Four interceptions and one touchdown. 22 of 32, which is fine. Under 200 yards on 32 passes, which is absolutely not fine. The Bears' defense looked better with Sweat having come on board, but like they're not that kind of good that they force that sort of performance. The Vikings couldn't keep playing their ultra-simplified offense in NFL games for long. 
And without being in any of the rooms where any of this is being discussed, I don't know whether they tried to make things more complex or the bears took away all the basic stuff that they'd been doing the last few weeks. But the Vikings basically had to play hero ball to do anything. And Josh Dobbs may be someone's hero, but using the accepted definition of the term, he's not really a hero and shouldn't be playing hero ball for long. Unlike the Bears, who never scored a touchdown though, the Vikings offense did come alive at one point for a drive that marched down the field for a score with TJ Hawkinson in the fourth quarter. Like I always said, when the Dobbs hysteria was at its highest, it would be short-lived, teams would get tape on the new offense, they would figure it out, Dobbs would have to adapt or die. Well, they've added some complexity and Dobbs is struggling, he threw four interceptions against the Bears on Monday night. Which, I will grant you, they also forced Jared Goff to throw a bunch of interceptions. Like, Matt Everflus has done a great job there. That's not who we're talking about right now. Uh, basically, they've subverted the other team's expectations against them by changing their coverage schemes and, and doing some weird blitz stuff. And that had Dobbs pretty much constantly double-clutching and then throwing into coverage where if he had just won the first time, if he had just trusted himself, he would have been right. Vikings defense, on the other hand, is very good at stopping exactly what the Bears were trying to do all night, which is why those four Dobbs interceptions didn't result in a lot of points for the Bears. The Vikings were the first team of this season to lose a game without giving up a touchdown. That's going to rip that locker room in half. It might take some time for the Vikings to figure this out, but Dobbs could have had two more picks on the night and, and pick sixes at that. This was as bad as any quarterback I have watched play this season. Like, I mean, Goff had his worst night of the year, but if you want to see bad quarterbacking and you for some reason weren't watching Monday Night Football, you need to go back and watch that game to see legitimately the most terrible job of quarterbacking I think I've ever seen. The Vikings receivers were far from perfect on the night, but sometimes the problem lies exactly where the stats tell you it lies. And so the Vikings lost to the Bears. The standings currently are as follows. The Lions are still atop the division at 8-3, although some fans are acting like they're 3-8 and eight because they lost the Thanksgiving Day game to a division rival. Second are the Vikings at 6-6. Six and six. The magic number for the Lions to clinch the division is now four because of this Vikings loss. Third place, we have the Packers at five and six. They're making my prediction that the Vikings would finish second in the North after an 0-3 start look like maybe they might not have been correct. But I don't know why the Vikings suddenly started losing games. And in the basement of the Bears at four and eight. Doing just enough to give this terrible regime one more crack at it. See you tomorrow. Let's bring it in here together. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. Yes. You've had enough of that shit.